Hey everyone, welcome back to Southern Fried Storytime. We left our friend Jonathan Harker on a dusty dirt road in the middle of miles of forest in Transylvania with a mystery carriage driver. The carriage driver unloads Jonathan's luggage as quickly as he can. Then he and the other villagers hop in his cart and hightail it out of there at the first sight of the mysterious new driver. The cloaked coachman drives Jonathan up a cr to a crumbling stone castle where the wind blows through the gaps in the walls, wind filled with the sounds of wolves howling in the night. The driver helps Harker down from the carriage with his cold, inhumanly strong hands, then leaves the, the solicitor alone at the door of the castle. No matter how many times he knocks at the door, the sound of it seems to be absorbed by the thick, ancient wood. Finally, the door is opened by a smiling man with snowy white hair. He is completely dressed in black and told Harker, Welcome to my home. Enter freely and of your own free will. In perfect English. The accent, or sorry, the castle was lit inside and looked like a welcome shelter from the wolf-inhabited forest that felt as though it was creeping closer and closer to him. As soon as Jonathan crossed the threshold, the man introduced himself as Count Dracula and shook Jonathan's hand with a, his cold, steely claw. Inside of the castle showed signs of great wealth and opulence, but it was all tarnished with darkness and dust and disuse. Think like Disney's Haunted Mansion, a place that looks like there was great wealth there, but no one has cared for it for many years. The Count got Jonathan all situated in his room and stated that he had already eaten, but he had had his servants get together a meal for Jonathan. Jonathan had a wonderful roast chicken with salad and wine for dinner while he studied the man before him. He had sharp nails that had been filed to points and hairy palms. His sharp white teeth protruded from behind his lips. Still, the easy manner and hospitality of the Count made Harker feel much more relaxed as Dracula explained that the locals were superstitious idiots that turned the minds of any visitors against him. He was not well liked here, as I'm sure Jonathan and you, dear listener, have already observed and he was happy to be on his way to the smarter, more modern people of London. There, he wouldn't be surrounded by ignorant peasants clutching their crucifixes and garlic. Yeah, he also won't be suspected of being what he really is, and it's easier to attack a hen house when the chickens think you're one of them. The Count apologized for keeping him up so late. It was nearly morning by the time they finished talking. He took Jonathan to his room, which was clean and pleasant, and he told Harker that he was welcome in any of the unlocked rooms in the house, and to trust him that he should not enter any locked room. He assured Jonathan that the dusty, musty, mildewed parts of the castle he had seen already were the nicest parts. By the next night, Jonathan was rested and ready to discuss the purchase of the Carfax estate with Dracula. In order to purchase it legally, the Count had to be aware of the current condition of the estate. It was a vast and nice, but in desperate need of some repairs and updates. After going through the account, Dracula disagreed. He thought the property was perfect as it was, very homey compared to what he was used to here. He didn't want to feel like a stranger in a foreign country. He wanted 
to feel a little bit more at home, and if the estate wasn't exactly pristine and crisp and perfect, then it would make him feel more at home and more like what he was used to. They spoke all night about Dracula's lineage, the kings and lords of the country, and they spoke of England, which the Count had been researching for years and was already very knowledgeable about. They talked again all night. Jonathan was walking to the library when he heard the sound of his dinner dishes being collected. He had not seen any of the servants in the castle in the past few days and found himself curious. He peeped into the kitchen to see the Count himself, a man from the line of kings, washing his dinner dishes. Harker quietly crept away in an attempt to avoid embarrassing the Count and went back to bed. In the morning, Jonathan walked, went about his morning routine. When he found he had neglected to shave for too long, his blade slid against the coarse hair and he sliced himself. He grabbed a cloth to stop the bleeding before it got to his shirt. He turned around and walked slam into the Count. The full force of Harker's body had not moved the man at all as he stared at the solicitor, still as a statue. Jonathan apologized and froze, noticing that while his shaving mirror reflected the whole entire room, it did not reflect Count Dracula. He was about to ask how the Count was doing that when he noticed the man looked strange, hungry. His eyes glowed red as he fixated on the cut in the young man's neck. The Count reached for him, and Harker stepped back, bumping the sink and making the razor clatter to the ground. As Jonathan moved to avoid it, his jacket fell open, exposing the rosary around his neck. The cross distracted Dracula, suddenly shifting his expression from hunger to fear. I don't know about you, but anything that's scared of a cross is probably not something you want to be living with. But Jonathan's kind of stuck with it. He is in a forest in the middle of miles and miles and miles of woods. The nearest village, it says, is at least a dozen miles away. And this is at a time where you can't just call an Uber your way back out of there, right? So he's pretty much stuck until Dracula says he's not stuck. So he's in a bit of a situation, guys. And, uh... I mean, most of you know the basics about what Dracula is, and so we, we have a pretty good idea about how this is going to go, but uh, I hope you'll tune in again tomorrow anyway to hear the next steps of Jonathan's journey. Thank you so much for tuning in today.